Welcome to the Forest FM podcast, episode 137. I'm Killian Vigna. And I'm Zoe Bilal Springer. This week on the show, we're joined by Forest's content and marketing manager, Shana O'Halloran, to discuss what's involved in getting your work noticed by print and digital media companies. So grab yourself a cup of coffee, sit back, relax, and join us weekly for all your salon's business and marketing needs. Good morning, Zoe. Good morning, Killian. Looking forward to this episode now. I feel like you look forward to every episode. So do I, though, in fairness. <laughs> yeah, I do. Well, you know what? I just look forward to Forest FM. Maybe I should stop saying that. I'm going to have to find a new kind of thing. But you know what I am, though? Like when we were doing the brief of this yesterday, I was actually sickened that we didn't just press record there and then. Because I guess today we were doing some brainstorming ideas and we're we're about to get into it. I'll let you kind of do a bit more. But um, I was just like ready to do the episode straight away. Oh, yeah. It caught your interest. Yeah, well, it was a different world that I'd never experienced, so. Yeah, the world of editorial print and digital, to be fair, is uh, quite different. And we were talking about photo shoots and stuff like that. Actually, the two only experiences I've had for behind the scenes of photo shoots like that. So now you can understand why I got excited, because I've never been involved in a photo shoot. Oh, yeah. And there's a whole lot more than people think um, to it. So, the, yeah, the, the, the first one I was really involved with in the hair and beauty uh, industry was with Modern Salon in New York last year for the Artist Session uh, Influencer Series. But listeners who've been to this year's Salon Owner Summit in Dublin, as well as our first roadshow in Chicago, would have probably met our guest today, Shauna. She was the editor of Tatler magazine in Ireland for close to 10 years, and she's now bringing her vision and experience to Forrest's PR and content strategies. Uh, I personally have the chance to work with Shauna. She's my manager, and she's an experienced, results-driven editor. She's been working across print, digital, social media. She's also a passionate team leader. So like I said... I personally feel privileged, but anyone listening to this week's conversation will definitely benefit from her wealth of knowledge. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Shauna. Thanks very much. So Shauna, usually we have a question to kind of kick it off. But when we were chatting yesterday, now you're with Forrest, how many months now? Ooh, seven months, I'm going to say, yeah. Seven months. And your role is it's content manager, isn't it? Yeah, content and marketing. So it'd be across content, but also PR and events for the company as well. PR and events. But when we were chatting to you yesterday... I just realized there was a whole other like life that you had before this that I just did not know, which is essentially the foundations of this episode today. You were actually heavily involved in PR, magazines, photo shoots, stuff like that, weren't you? Yeah, so I suppose um, I was on the other side of the PR machine because I was the editor of a magazine um, here in Ireland. I was uh, editor of Irish Chatter magazine, which would be sort of a monthly glossy women's lifestyle magazine. Um, and yeah, I, I was I was in that industry for a good 15 years. Um, so yes, you could say it's a whole other lifetime doing that. Uh, <laughs> uh, and yeah, of course, part of that job was every month we'd commission editorials. Um, so we'd be employing hair and uh, makeup artists mm-hmm. to, to carry out shoots and things like that. But also I'd have been on the receiving end of... Um, PR press releases as brands and businesses and individuals wanted to kind of uh, share their news with us and and we'd select sort of what was good enough to take forward to, to publish in the magazine and then online as well. Uh, not for the full 15 years, but towards the end of my editorship and was editing the online version too. Yeah. So, But that's a bit that I found really interesting because I knew you were kind of involved with editing and content, which to me would have been spending your day looking at docs and editing them but you were actually like heavily involved in the photo shoots themselves sourcing stylists and beauticians yourself and dealing with them on set which it's a bit different to being in an office here where you're sitting at your computer all day 
Yeah, it was it was really diverse role actually, and uh, you know, of course, there were many many hours behind a computer screen and a lot of editing of words. But um, when you're editing a publication like that, where so much of the content is visual, mm-hmm. um, a, a lot of the work that you do is not behind the desk, and it's not just about the sort of the word docs and things like that. So it would have been a lot of like um, traveling to different PR events, going to um, fashion weeks in London, New York, for example, and then days on set, um, organizing, commissioning shoots, meeting different creators. And, and finding out what, what their work was like and how it could fit in with our brand. So, yeah, it was really, really varied. And uh, while a good bit of it was about the words, the editing thing kind of it, it takes in a whole lot more, if you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. So before we get into the differences between PR and marketing, just to clear that up, do you miss any of that? That's like a pretty exciting life traveling all over the place and, you know, organizing all these things. You miss that now that you're with Forrest? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely loads of bits of it that I miss. Um, n- number one, when you're in a creative buzz like that, the people that you work with, number one was that they were all amazing and uh, the kind of... Uh, the ebb and flow of it. But I suppose one thing that's very different here is that we don't have this big looming deadline every single month to get a publication <laughs> to print. And while, while that can be very stressful, it also like is a really massive driver for a lot of people. And mm. I realised, you know, I learned a lot about myself when I came here and I didn't have that every month. So that was took a little bit of getting used to. Um, but, you know, for me, it was just, it was, it was a natural progression. It was kind of like I'd done that to sort of I'd done the most in that job as I could do and I wanted to try something else. And, I'd, and over that time, I'd been doing a lot of work with brands, segueing a little bit into marketing and understanding their brand messaging for them. So I suppose it was natural enough for me that I came into this kind of industry. And, and Forrest, especially because before I was editing, I was beauty editor. And a lot of my relationships in the industry that I had been working in uh, were with salon owners. I'd done a lot of work, like I said, with with hair and beauty professionals. So it made sense for me if I was going to make that transition to be coming into an industry like this. Well, in this episode, we kind of want to shed light on, I suppose, more how do salons... Well, I suppose there's a couple of parts to this episode and this question, because the first part is, how do salons get themselves noticed in magazines? How do they get involved in like having stories wrote about them in magazines. But then the other side of it is, how do they get their staff involved in being the people that you called to do those photo shoots? Yeah, so so it's interesting. I think um, there are a couple of different ways that you can PR your brand or your salon. Um, and part of it will be through the individuals that work for you. Uh, part of it will be as a business owner, if you're the salon owner. Um, and part of it will be just about sort of like the bricks and mortar business um, that, that you work for. So uh, there's, there's so many routes and opportunities, but I think there's a couple of essentials that if you if you have this in your sights and you'd like to be the sort of um, salon or individual that wants to get featured in editorials, then you have to kind of have it as a real goal for yourself, and you have to you have to make you have to work at it. Basically, it's not going to happen overnight. Not Somebody's not <laughs> an editor is not going to come into your salon and accidentally get their hair done by you and think that's fantastic. I'd like I'd like this person to do my next cover shoot. It's not it's not really going to work. But that's like the that. expectation nowadays. <laughs> like I've earned it. I'm entitled <laughs> to that. <laughs> Um, or I'll be found on Instagram, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that does happen as well. I mean, definitely Instagram and social media has become a massive source for scouting new talent. Mm. And I'd say anybody who's looking for talent across various different industries will say that. But but it, in in and of itself alone is not going to be enough because mm-hmm. number one thing that it comes down to at the end of the day is trust and integrity. So. If you're going to get selected for that kind of work, you're going to have to have a really strong portfolio of work that you've done beforehand to make an editor trust you. Yeah. Um, you're going to have to prove yourself as like, you know, the consummate professional in terms of when you're asked to turn up places. Um, 
And for a lot of people, you probably, if, to get to that level where you're looking at national publications and, and really high-end glossy magazines, you, you probably do have to engage an agency at some point in, in your career as well. So, so that's obviously not going to come right at the beginning. What I would say is at the beginning, open yourself up to as many opportunities as you can. Mm-hmm. Be prepared to work for free. I'm sorry to say it, but it, it is a reality. And I don't ever expect anybody to do that forever. But at the very beginning, when you're building your portfolio, it's really about putting yourself out there and, and doing whatever you can to showcase your most creative talents. Um, and then it's about networking as well. Get in with the right people. Find out what the industry events are that you can go to. Um, you know, Find out who you'd like to email or phone and ask if they've got time for a coffee to see your work. If you're looking after yourself as an individual, you kind of have to give it a, a good bit of time and effort to put into those kind of activities to making sure that you get noticed. Would it be fair to say then that you have to market yourself to get the PR machine going? Yeah, so this is interesting because maybe this leads into what's the difference between marketing and, and PR, right? Because, and I've been thinking deeply on this since we had our chat. And, and the way I see it is that PR drives your reputation um, and marketing will drive your revenue. So I think they're two different things. I think if you're building your reputation and you're carrying out those kind of activities, that's all PR for yourself and your and your brand. Mm-hmm. If you're um, looking at advertising space or sending out messaging, say, via email or SMS campaigns or anything like that, because you want to see a return on your investment, that's your revenue being looked after. So they're two different streams that you can kind of do. Obviously, they go hand in hand. And the more of one you have, the better the other one will, will run. And, and the good thing about PR is until you engage an agency or something like that, the, the, the outlay is probably pretty small. It's a lot of legwork, um, but you can do a lot of it yourself and uh, without spending too much money. So as a salon owner, just to kind of take it back to the differences between actual stylists or beauticians themselves and then the salon trying to get the salon noticed. Like, I suppose as an individual, I have to market myself I have to have my social media account, stuff like that going. As a salon owner, is it more about the business or should you be encouraging that everyone in your salon should be kind of on this level, sort of that approach to get noticed? Because then surely if the salon gets noticed, their team will get picked for selection. Yeah, I suppose it's, it's you know, the, the best and most successful salon owners that I've spoken to, the, the team um, commitment is really, really strong and that trust is there as well with the team. So it absolutely makes sense for everybody to be working towards that common goal of having a great PR and marketing machine for, for the salon. So in a word, I'd say yes, engage everybody that works for you to do it. As a business owner, there's different opportunities that you can take advantage of. For example, you can get yourself placed in, in those kind of glossy magazines as a business person. You can talk about the culture that you set in your in your business so that You've got a different audience that you're reaching there. If, you know, recruitment is really important to you. You can be PRing yourself and your business in that way uh, to be reaching that audience, whereas your stylists might PRing themselves as creative talent that might get picked up for awards or shows or things like that. And then all together, all of that PR builds your brand. Or you could do an episode for Forest FM and really get out there. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So I just want to take back to earlier where you were saying you have to be willing to do work for free, especially when you're trying to get your foot in the door. Say you've been doing that for a while. When do you know then it's time to charge your worth? Like eventually you can't just spend your whole time doing this stuff pro bono, can you? Definitely not. And I would, I think that's a really important question because I think it's a, it can be a difficult transition. And especially when people have been used to getting work out of you for free, they're turning yeah. around to them and saying, actually, I'm going to charge you for this now. Is It can be a difficult transition. Surely you'd imagine that's going to hamper your chances if all of a sudden you're doing free work and now you're going, actually, you have to charge. 
that must be a concern nearly. Well, you'd be surprised, but it, I, I think it's a natural progression. And I think that you almost demand a different level of respect when you start charging for your work. So, for example, there might be projects that publishers or journalists or editors are willing to take on people who don't charge yeah. um, because they, they might not have huge budget for it, but it's a smaller project and they'll use that as sort of a testing ground to see what you're like. But if you do a really, really great job and you build a portfolio and you start working for trusted names like that, and then you find yourself getting booked for those things more and more, and especially if it's going to start taking away from the time that you would be giving to paid work, yeah. I think that's the crucial moment to start charging for your work. And I think that when you make that elevation, people go, okay, I have this uh, great talented person, they've proven themselves, um, and I'm now willing to pay a fee for them, and I'm going to move them up into these bigger projects. It might be a cover, st- a cover shoot or an editorial fashion shoot that requires a high level of creativity. So um, I would say that's the sort of moment where you should look at charging. And a lot of people do struggle with that, as I said. So one thing you can do is get an agent yeah. because they'll make all those awkward conversations for you, which, which you can help. You just have to turn up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just turn up on the day. They'll, they'll have the awkward conversations. They'll also sort of um, push for you to get work. Uh, so they'll, be, have, they'll have the relationships with the right people, hopefully, if you, if you have a good agent, and they'll be able to push for you to get, get the work that you need. Um, and they'll make sure that you get paid on time, which is the other thing that, you know, being any sort of a freelance uh, creative person is kind of a hard thing because invoicing and chasing payments is a whole other job that has to be done. Paid, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that, that person will look after all of that for you and all of your scheduling. And if you're at, if you're at the point where um, those editorials and those bookings are coming in thick and fast, you're going to need that person on your side. Yeah. Yeah. So on the flip side then, on the editorial side, how do you go about picking the right talent you mentioned trust was a big part of it. Trust is definitely a big part of it. I mean, and I suppose it goes back to what I was saying earlier as well. There, there are different projects where the stakes are higher. Mm-hmm. So if it's your cover shoot and you've been given, you know, you, you're shooting a celebrity, for example, and you've been given six hours of their time to get a shot, you need to know that every single person that turns up on that shoot day is going to be, you know, completely on their game. They're going to be the consummate professional um, they're going to work quickly and and you need to really, really trust them. And I'd say the pool of people that you end up choosing from as an editor, that for those kind of projects is quite small, actually. And that will be 100% based on trust and somebody who's really, really proven themselves. And also it's a slightly different skill to if you're doing a fashion editorial, for example. Fashion editorial can be super creative and will probably be like, you need somebody who's really interested in the trends. They know what's coming down the line. They know how to apply this really visual creativity to to a story. Um, but somebody who's working with a celebrity, for example, needs to have real sensitivity person to person, needs to be able to listen to somebody who says, I just hate my hair in a centre split, or I, you know, I never, ever do this thing, you know, I, 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 I need to have a wave, otherwise I'm not going to feel confident in front of the camera. And they've got to be able to listen to those concerns and then get the shoot director's brief and get that right and, and create something that's very, very personal. So... So there's two different, uh, they're two different projects, for, just to give an example of like, you're not necessarily picking from the same pool all of the time. Mm-hmm. There'd, be, there'd be one group of people that you'd be pick, picking the cover stories for, another group of people that are really fantastic editorially. And then obviously, like I said earlier, you'd probably have your breeding ground projects where you're going out and you're taking a punt on people that you haven't necessarily worked on uh, projects with before. Um, but they might be willing to do something for a little bit less or for free or to do something to in order to get their kind of work published. And then you kind of 
that I'd say that's where you start building your trust. And those are the people then that you kind of move up the chain to get the bigger projects later on. So how do you go about your selection process? Because one thing you mentioned there was if you're doing like a photo shoot, it it tends to be a lot more creative. So surely you're hiring someone based on their creativeness, their vision. You're, you're going to let them kind of, I suppose, nearly freelance. You're giving them the control for that photo shoot. But then you were saying there's the cover where you're dealing with the celebrity. Do you as an editor already have a vision in mind and you're asking the stylist or beautician to live up to that? Or are you still taking them on with the expectation that they're going to come up with a vision for you? Well, I mean, I suppose I can only speak for for how I worked and I'm sure different editors all have their own ways of doing it. But uh, it, it was always collaborative. I'll say that much. Now, the cover... Obviously, it's a really important thing. It's it's the thing that you're putting out there to sell your product. Yeah. So, yes, you'd have a pretty strong vision of that before you get anybody else involved. But I wouldn't necessarily know what exactly should be done with the hair or makeup until I collaborate with the right people. So that the process would normally have been like, okay, um, October's coming up. This is, a, this is the person, this is the candidate that we've got for the cover, and we've picked them for good reasons. Maybe they're topical, they've got a new TV show coming out or something like that. You'll get in touch with all the agencies and the agents that you have at your disposal and any uh, other freelancers that you really, really trust. And you might put it out there and explain, this is this is what we're working on. Um, let me know your availability. Let me know what your ideas are around it. But you'd probably lay out sort of the brief. It's autumn. Uh, it's I want this kind of a vibe. We're going to hit on the sort of the 40s heritage trend that's coming off the catwalk. You give them a kind of a few bullet points of a brief. Yeah. And then I would normally expect the creatives on the team to kind of come back with what their input to the project could be. And then from that, we'd build out the full brief. So the important thing there is it's collaborative. Just because you've been hired by Shauna doesn't mean you're the expert and you're going to have full control. But it also doesn't mean that Shauna's going to have full control and tell you what to do. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. And again, what does that come down to? Trust. Trust and being yeah. able to have that great relationship with somebody and know that they're going to understand that, you know. And there were, of course, there were battles on set. Believe me, when it, we That's might my be next think question. we're What's getting the, the perfect stories? shot and the and the hair stylist is kind of going, oh, they're kind of they're um gritting their teeth and going, I really just want to get in there and move that that one hair is really, really bothering me. It's in the way. Or we could say, that style looks fantastic, but actually I can only see three quarters of her left eye and I'm gonna need, you know, two eyes engagement on the camera to make a really great cover shot. So yeah. of course there's this give and take. There's there's so much uh, going on on, a, on one of those days. Um, but if you've got a good working relationship with somebody and you trust each other, I'm not going to I'm not going to tell them to do something which is going to make their reputation suffer yeah. and vice versa. Then you're in a good place. Building off that, then you brought it up, and I want to kind of get more out of it. Have you ever had some disasters on set, or even horror stories, anything mm. like that? With, you don't. You <laughs> don't no names involved. Obviously, names. no names involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> GDPR. uh, (laughs) Protecting the identity of those involved. So there's a load by the looks of Shauna here. I will say this, I had far more good days on set than I ever had bad days on set. Um, But naturally, yeah, over time, there are going to be a few stinkers, I'm not going to lie. Has anyone ever had their hair cut too short? Uh, No, we did very little cutting on set, thankfully, so it didn't take on too much responsibility of any any big disasters like that, but... uh, I mean, I suppose one of the toughest things would be, and this is why getting the right people there is so, so important, and anybody who cares about their hair will 100% understand that when you know you're going to get your photograph taken, somebody's doing your hair for you, like, oh, no, I don't like it like this, I like it more like that. So if the cover star 
gets to the end of having their hair and makeup done and they look in the mirror and they're like, mm, I don't really like it. That can be really, really tough. And it can be really, you know, it's fine. It's like, okay, of course, everybody on the team is going to be focused on, well, what can we do to make you feel better about it? What will we do? You know, let's let's fix it up. Let's change it. But sometimes, and there were just these rare occasions where just for some reason, everything wasn't clicking. Yeah. And the cover star would just be like, I still don't like it. Yeah, no, I just don't like it. But they'll grit their teeth and they'll get in front of the camera anyway. And everybody's trying really, really hard to remedy the situation but it's kind of broken and, you know, it's very hard for the team to come back from something like that and then that person's not comfortable, so the photographer's not getting the shot that they need. It it does kind of have a snowball effect in terms of the mood. Everybody starts worrying that they're not producing their best work. Mm. Um, So so those those were the tough days, I think. And, you know, when I think about it, to be honest, it it says a lot about the kind of people that we worked with because the only reason it was tough is because everybody was really concerned that we weren't going to get the best out of the day um, and everybody wasn't able to do their best work on that day but I'm trying to think was there anything more scandalous than that I I really don't think so Um, but I suppose that's probably a testament to you hiring the right people that there has it's only ever maybe come down to the cover model and it's just purely because it was a style that didn't that they wouldn't have been used to but in terms of the actual skill on the day the skilled people there's been no real issues by the sounds of it you know, not really. And and you'll find that people who end up in that sort of a situation, and I think it's because you do have to graft quite hard to get there in the first place. Yeah. You know, got really high integrity, really great work ethic, you know, uh, really dedicated to creating the best that they can do on the day. And and so accommodating. Most, you know, I, I'd have to say nearly everybody that I worked with was, was so accommodating. So if it did get to the point where it's like, I don't, I don't really like it like that. Uh, and, and ultimately, there would be one person on set that would call the shots, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. Most people just want to get the best bit of work done. So that was good. So we've spoken about, you know, from a stylist point of view, getting involved in photo shoots, shows, building a portfolio, and that eventually, you know, maybe even getting an agent. How do you go about building a relationship with an editor in a magazine from a salon owner point of view? You know, you were saying the businesswoman profiles and, and all of that. How do you go about doing that? Because it's fairly easy for a stylist to, you know, build a portfolio, but you don't really build a portfolio of, hey, I'm a businesswoman. <laughs> yeah, but maybe you should. Maybe it's not a portfolio exactly, but maybe, uh, you know, and I think this is really, really typical of small business owners. They they kind of plough ahead and they get through everything and, and they, you know, achieve so much, um, but very rarely take time to take stock and kind of go, you know, to celebrate the milestones yeah. um, as they come. And I think that when you're PRing yourself, being aware of what those milestones are and being able to put them down in words um, and being able to articulate them to the other people is what's really, really important. So, you know, and it can be a bit uncomfortable for some people, you know, bigging themselves up like that. But I do think it's really important. And if, if you've got 15 years experience already as a head creative director at a different salon and you're opening your own salon, write down a short press release about your experience and what makes you so um what makes you such a good candidate for opening your own salon and what what you expect to deliver to your customers. And that that's just, it won't probably take you too long because all your passion is there already. You're doing this for a reason. And to get it down on paper then, you can just find the right contacts, put it out there, put it up on your own Instagram and communicate that message out to people. And then it's about sort of recognising what your own achievements are and the milestones that the salon makes as it, as it goes on. The first six months in business, you know, your, your thousandth, customer whenever it comes uh, or whatever they are and absolutely to put yourself forward for awards and events 
um, and things like that. The more that you can kind of say that your your business has achieved, the more PR you'll be able to drive. Well, that's it, though. Like, unless you set yourself those goals, it can be hard to get so wrapped up in the fact that, like, it's no easy feat running any business, let alone a salon, and you're going through the the slog every single day. That sometimes it is hard to actually see that light. And like you said, you just need to take a step back and go, well, hang on now. What? How, how much have I grown over the last six months? How much have I grown over the last year? And I suppose some people just are blocked from that. They find that hard to go back and reflect because it has been so hard to get there. But yeah, no, it is like achievements. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. And I I think you said something really important there as well about sort of planning this and making this a part of, of your job. Maybe it should be in your business plan if you're going to open your salons, like to yeah, have a PR plan as part of it. I know it's like an extra task and I know you're already doing everything when you're running your own salon, um, but but making sure that it's a part of your business plan that you take stock and that you have some PR activity uh, scheduled in every every three months or every six months or, you know, depending on what your capacity is or how many people you've got to help with that with that side of things. I think having it included in your plans keeps you focused. So, Sure, if you've if you've been running your own salon for five years and you've never done it before, having to stop and think back over five years' worth of milestones is obviously yeah. going to be quite taxing and might be the best use of your time. But if it's in there in your calendar every three months to stop and think about what the and, and you know make yourself write down two or three achievements in that space of time, it becomes habit, and and then that side of things becomes so much easier. But where do you know where to send the press release to? Would you say that? you know how we often talk about salon owners building relationship with other salon owners and would you say that networking events then would also help for a salon owner to build relationship with anyone in um you know in an editorial position yeah good point the local paper (laughs) (laughs) the local paper could be really really great resource yeah Yeah. absolutely i mean there's the definitely networking um because anybody that you've met face to face uh, and then you email afterwards with your with your pr is going to be um, way more likely than somebody that you approach cold over email to, to place your, your news. Um, so networking is a really, really important one. Um, you can engage a PR uh, professional to help you out with that. And it doesn't have to be somebody that works full time with you. You can you can engage a PR on sort of like a one day a month basis. Um, so the cost could be quite low and they'll already have the contacts in in their directory. So it's kind of up to them to push that out. So that's another way that you can do it. Um, or, or you could just do good old-fashioned research. I mean, you could just dedicate a good chunk of time to sitting down and and finding out who the who the editors and who the um, shoot directors are for, for the publications that you want to get involved with. And so it's kind of like depending on your budget and on your time and the people that you have available to work with you on these things, there's mm-hmm. a few different routes there. I didn't actually realise that with the PR because when you hear PR, you always assume... First off, you need a big budget for it because it's full time. It's someone that's always going to take care of that, I suppose, reputation of you. But the fact that you can get someone for like one day a month, yeah, and I'd makes say it so much more accessible for everyone. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, not all agencies are going to offer that, but there's a lot of, you know, certainly I know in Ireland and in the UK, there are a lot of PR professionals who aren't with big agencies themselves. They're also small and medium business owners. So mm-hmm. they're... they're you know, and I would say choose somebody who has experience working in this industry. Um, they'll have the right contacts and they'll know, know how to place you in the market. And yeah, I mean, you can definitely hire somebody to just to meet with you occasionally and even consult with you about how to how to work out your PR. Yeah, it's definitely available to you. So if anyone listening to this episode has never 
even thought about getting into um, building their PR machine, I suppose, either for themselves or for the salon. What are some good stepping stones? Where do they start? So I guess the thing to remember is that the PR is about driving your reputation. So I'd say the best place to start is to sit down and have a good think about what what you want your reputation to mean. Um, you know, what do you want your salon or your or yourself to be known as in the industry and beyond? Um, think about who you're trying to reach. So you can PR yourself to your customers, to the press, and also you can PR yourself for recruitment purposes, right? You want to make it your brand look good so that you can attract the top stylists into your business. Um, so once you've understood what your what your reputation message should be, the kind of audiences that you're trying to reach, then you can start jotting down some ideas. And it could be anything from hosting a small little event in your salon after hours um, to tell people what it is that you're about. You could try just making um, three new contacts this month, for example, who might give you an in into the industry or give you some advice. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Most scary thing about networking is thinking about how you're going to do it. When you actually start talking to somebody, of course, you know, you, you'll fly it. So I wouldn't be too worried. Just get stuck in and, and it'll all become second nature. It's like that LinkedIn effect. I meet you, but then there might be someone that you know that I could meet down the line. And then all of a sudden your network's expanding two, three, four, four. Exactly that. Exactly. Well, Shauna, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. It's been a pleasure having you on. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you so much. Built with the latest technology and impeccable design, the all-new salon-branded apps are proven to help increase salons' online bookings and retention rates by 4 and 16% respectively. Deliver a convenient and personalized experience your clients will remember. Your brand, your app, your way. Manage, market, and grow your business with Forest Salon Software, a premium cloud-based salon software system for 3-plus employees. Visit forest.com for more details. Let's grow. So that was Shauna discussing what's involved in getting your work noticed by print and digital media companies and essentially how to be involved in a shoot, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it's really cool. And to be honest, if you are still, I know she answered the very last question about, you know, stepping stones and where do you start? But something we didn't mention actually is sharing your story with us. You know, we're always looking for people to be featured on Forest FM or even, you know, we're building out the blog in a completely different way. Like I've been telling you guys for a couple uh, weeks or months, I guess now. Um, so we're always kind of looking for testimonials or success stories. So if you don't know where to start with the building of your PR machine, uh, maybe Forest is actually a good place to start. So if you're coming to one of our events and we'll be getting into events uh, shortly after Forest Academy's announcement, you can come and see us and chat with us and, you you know, we can figure something out and see if either you're more interested to get onto Forest FM or maybe have something going in, in the Forest blog or any other opportunity that we have. Yeah, well, I mean, like our clients see us as more than just software because we do a lot of, I suppose, personal connection with them. Like you said, we've got the blog, we've got Forest FM. We now have the Instagram takeovers, which I think are really cool, where salons actually take over our Instagram account for it. It's, it's a day, isn't it? Yeah, it's a day. It's actually really a, it's, it's a very good point that you make there. A lot of people are getting involved with uh, social media and, and that's another great way of building your PR and reputation machine. Yeah, and then our content team, they're always looking for salons who they can film for case studies and to just see how they're getting on in general, just to share their business. So there's tons of different avenues there to work with Forrest. So with that being said, it's time to talk about the Inside Forest segment. Jay Williams gave you that title. You're the best with segues. <laughs> <laughs> 
So the first thing to kick it off with is Forest Academy, your one-stop education shop. It's an online learning portal full of fun, interactive and bite-sized self-taught training courses covering each and every area of your forest system. And most importantly, you can get Forest Academy certified. So every time you complete a course, you earn points, you gain a badge and you get your certificate. So some courses that you can expect to see are the Getting Started with Forest series. So for any new staff members or any new forest clients in general, Then we have other courses like Products and Inventory, the Forest Pay Device, the Forest Go app, Tree Card, Memberships and the new Salon branded app. We also have two more series of the Essential Management, which are Business Setup and System Management. And we've loads more courses to come. So if you are interested in getting set up at Forest Academy and you don't have an account, just email us at forestacademy at forest.com. We were talking about connecting with other salon owners, networking with people in editorial positions for magazines and such. And what better opportunity to start doing that than coming to the Salon Owners Summit flagship event in Dublin. The theme for this year is to create a focused 2020 business vision. Now, in the last couple of episodes and weeks, we've announced a couple of speakers and a couple of workshops. Many names of these you'll recognize. Stephanie Fox Jackson, Jamie Dana, Marcus Allen, um, all main stage speakers. Then we announced the membership workshop by Phil Jackson, the brainstorming workshop by Kristen Tognini. And more recently, we've announced Ryan Powers email marketing workshop. So I'm assuming that you would recognize this name. Uh, Ryan Powers been on the podcast to discuss the blurred lines between personal and business personas and the market advantage. His passion for marketing is pretty much just as infectious as his energy. So if he can't get you pumped to take action and push your business forward, then I mean, nobody can. The flagship event in Dublin is taking place on Monday, January 6th, 2020. And if you're a force client interested in attending this event, you can request a callback for tickets. Just follow the link in today's episode's notes. My last two announcements for today are around opportunities available to both forest clients and non-clients. And the first one is the Salon Paperless Pledge. This is taking place on Thursday, October 24th, and we're inviting salons from all around the world to go paperless for a day. You might have heard me say it last week, but 300 billion paper receipts are printed each year, and that's the equivalent of 25 million trees. If you haven't started thinking about how your salon can connect with the customers who are becoming more and more sensitive to sustainability, uh, we'd like to help, and now is the time to get on it with this Salon Paperless Pledge. Really easy to participate. All you need to do is fill out the pledge form. Um, you can follow the link again in today's episode's notes, and you'll receive a special media pack to help you with your 24-hour paperless goal. And um, there's going to be graphics in there, an email template, and this way you'll be able to promote your brand as being eco-conscious. And together on October 24th, we'll be taking a stand to give our planet a much-needed break. And finally, we have the Salon Mentorship Hub, which is a place to connect. Just last week's episode of Forest FM was with Angela Anderson, our latest mentor to join the hub. So whatever you're struggling with, you know, customer service, social media, brand, PR, websites, we've teamed up with industry coaches and consultants. Um, You can head over to salonmentors.forest.com and book yourself in for a free 15 to 30 minute consultation on a topic of your choosing. As I was just saying, Angela Anderson is the latest mentor to join the hub. Her areas of expertise are around how to use social media to build and retain a clientele, the importance of a good visual website, and why you need to brand your business. And well, that's all we got for this week, guys. So as always, if you want to share your thoughts on this episode or have any suggestions, please send us an email at forestfm at forest.com or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We genuinely love feedback and are always looking for ways to improve the show. Otherwise, have a wonderful week and we'll catch you next Monday. All the best.
This episode was edited and mixed by Audio Z. Great music makes great moments. Montreal's cutting-edge post-production studio for creative minds looking to have their vision professionally produced and mixed. Forest FM, the Salon Owners podcast, is brought to you by Forest Salon Software. We help salon owners get their clients back in more often, spending more, and generating referrals. Let's grow.